The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of hosts and guests. The view and opinions do not necessarily represent those of Memorial Healthcare System or Demarco's Thank you for joining us on Healthy Parenting Pitched by Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. My name is Jason Grant Henriquez, and joining me today is our co-producer, Bahati Banks. Hi, Jason. Bahati. <laughs> it's nice to see you, Bahati. You as well. You as well. It's warm, Bahati. It's warm. It's getting warm. <laughs> we are in South Florida. So did you know that competitive cheerleading is con- was once considered one of the most dangerous sports in the United States? I can see that. Really? I mean, you're, Why? They're being thrown in the air. Right. I don't mean, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying that they don't have coordination, but no, I mean, yeah. it's you're being thrown in the air. Mm-hmm. You're flipping around. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, yes. Okay, I've seen you bring it on. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and we're specifically talking about competitive cheerleading. So there's a difference between competitive cheerleading and cheerleading and sideline cheerleading mm-hmm. where you have the pom-poms and they're just kind of rah-rah, it's a ba But com- competitive <laughs> cheerleading is, is kind of old school. I got dated myself. Anyway, uh, but competitive cheerleading, like you said, is literally re- requires um, these elaborate stunts where you are literally being thrown in the air. You're standing on top of shoulders. You're standing on, you know, you're lifting people it's like it's hands. like high wire work with no safety net. Exactly. It's like being a trapeze artist with no safety net. Exactly. All you have is the hands of your teammates. Of and your teammates, yeah. Listen, your base. I don't yeah. even do the trust fall with anybody. <laughs> you don't so, falling <laughs> of backwards. Of course not. No way. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Flip me up funny. inside down. I'll, I, I'll catch you. And I'm looking down. I'm like your hands aren't open. <laughs> <laughs> trust. It's all about trust. Absolutely. Um, the Journal of Pediatrics uh, um, had a study published in 2012 that actually found that cheerleading is the most dangerous sport for females because, like we said, of the high risk for concussions and catastrophic wow. injuries, meaning um, those injuries result in long-term medical conditions, mm-hmm. permanent disabilities, or a shorter lifespan. Shorter lifespan? Yeah. Head, head Concussions are, are very... I mean, you could imagine if someone is thrown up in the air and they fall on their head. Right. That's serious. That's very serious. serious. Yeah, but also being thrown, you would think that that I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't know what the force is required. Mm-hmm. To have, you know, when your brain kind of hits your skull a little. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but the, the, the forces to toss you up there and then mm-hmm. the impact of being caught. I mean, yeah, I could, I could see that. It could be, it could lead to wow. a catastrophic injury for sure. So, in honor of March being Cheerleader Safety Month, today's show will provide safety prevention tips for parents and competitive cheerleaders. To educate our listeners, we invited our very own Dr. Matthew Fazekas. Um, he's a board-certified pediatrician who specializes in sports medicine, and he also um, specializes in. Um, the, the, we have a dance uh, programs at Joe DiMaggio Children's oh. Hospital, so that'll be very, very informative. I'm interested. I'd love to hear mm-hmm. about about some examples of these. Not that I'm, you know, want it to happen, but I'd love to hear some of the like the re- challenging things you'd get from from cheerleading. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine? Mm-hmm. I can't imagine having a, a, a serious disability. Mm-hmm. And this when asked me, well, you know, how'd you get that? Yeah, I was a cheerleader, you know, I was jumping around. And I look at you, che- like cheerleading, really? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's interesting. I can't wait to hear this. A lot of insights. Before we get to today's guest, today's coffee chat segment will highlight four tips for preventing kids' common sports injuries, since we're talking about sports injuries in general. 
we're going to give some tips so we're on talking how about to prevent sprained them. ankles, sprained and ankles, sprained wrists. Some other things too, when you think about playing sports, um, dehydration, oh, especially yes. now that we're going coming into spring, summer, it gets ridiculously hot. Yes, it does <laughs> in many states. But of course, kids continue to play sports throughout the summer. Of course. Um, so we're going to get into that as well. Before we move on, here's a word from our sponsor. Patient and family-centered care. At Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital, it's the difference you notice. It's what you feel. It's how we care. And it's why we've been recognized as the world's first designated person-centered children's hospital by Plaintree. When it matters most, trust Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. Learn more at jdch.com care. Welcome back. Before we get today's special guest, let's share what's making news in the parenting world, Bahati. All right, so uh, four tips, four tips for preventing kids' common sports injuries. So again, our today's um, special guest is uh, Dr. Fazikas, who will be talking specifically about um, staying safe as a competitive cheerleader, but we wanted to provide some um, some some preve- preventative tips to parents uh, as well as students for how to prevent um, common sports injuries that kids may um, succumb to. So, of course, encouraging your kids to play sports can lead to many, many positive incomes. Do no, your kids so, play sports? Well, my youngest uh, my youngest uh, did uh, dabbled in uh, football okay. twice. And, I mean, he would come home. He would, I would drop him off dry and clean, and he would come <laughs> home as a puddle. So, yeah, yeah. And I, I, was, I was a football dad for three years. Oh, my gosh. How did he like it? Oh, he, listen, he, he loved it. He just was, was upset that he wasn't played as much. Or, oh, of you know. course, yes. But, but he, when I say that he rocked the, the, um, the training. Yeah. Oh, man. Really? Sometimes I'd sit there, and, and he just, he's, a, he's a beast, you know. <laughs> okay, but, uh, yeah, okay. yeah, definitely, definitely. Why did he stop? Grades. Or why did you stop him? Oh, right. <laughs> grades. That's it. That's yep. it. Grades. That'll you know, stop. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a very responsible scholastic father, and that's mm-hmm. that is the priority. Mm-hmm. So, always, always. But it forever. was fun, though. It yeah. was fun. I actually, went to one of his games. Um, and uh, it, you know, the games last. It's like a full work day, right? Because it's every different different um, team that's out there. Okay. And so, of course, you know, I'm think I'm cool. I'm wearing my shades. I'm sitting out there. I'm recording him a little bit. <laughs> right. It was a. It was an overcast day. It wasn't oh. much sun, but it was bright out. See, I didn't realize how bright it was. Mm. Can I tell you what happened when I took off my, my sunglasses? What happened? Oh, all red, peeling. Oh, my son. Yeah, my no. son exploded with laughter, and I said, "What's wrong?" I looked, looked in the mirror and said, "Oh." <laughs> Is that tomato? Okay, I was <laughs> looking back at. But me. it wasn't hot. It's just but the sun was there and it was beaming on my face, and yes. I didn't realize it. There's your. Uh, dad tip or dad story for this please, episode <laughs> please yeah even though it, a lot of times people get um mis misconceived ideas about the sun being out like i spend a ridiculous yeah. amount of time at the beach and even on overcast days oh yeah you will burn you will burn you you'd be surprised but that that because it looks more like a white light and yes. you don't really feel it but it's still light yes. and i was shocked yeah how sunburnt my face was. It mm-hmm. took me forever. I had to wear um, uh, cocoa masks. <laughs> this is not a joke. <laughs> okay. And it got, and, it was, and I remember I had to go to work. Yes, so yes. so I went to the beach the next day. I put a cover over here and over here. I tried to tan just my eyeballs. No, tried to make it work. No, <laughs> I, had, I had layers of tan on my face. <laughs> layers. You must have looked crazy. Um. I asked if I didn't have if it couldn't have no patient interaction for a month. That didn't happen. <laughs> right, the work must go on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, so the reason why I asked was because 
if it wasn't for um, grades, then another major downside in, in terms of um, not being able to play sports is injuries, yes. obviously. Was your um, son ever injured? He was never injured um, seriously. Mm. Did he have some aches and pains? Sure. Yes. Did he, do, do I, am I sure he's, he, you know, because like I said, he's a beast. Yeah. He wants to show out there. Uh, yeah. Did I, was I sure he twisted his ankle or sprained his ankle? Mm. Yes. Did I buy a lot of Epsom salt <laughs> and have him soak in Epsom salt? You better believe it. Right, right, right. So did you know that sports and other recreational activities account for over three million ER visits every year for children between the ages of 5 to 14 Oh, absolutely. Old. You believe it? Absolutely. For sure. Because, you know, it's sports, it's mm-hmm. it's, it's competitive, mm-hmm. it's, you know, you're, you're, you're showing out, mm-hmm. and then you also have other kids showing out, yes. and all you need is one good collision, and that's it. That's so, it. So, no, that's, that seems normal to me. And it, sports, it runs the gamut, obviously. You, you automatically think football, you know, basketball, soccer, but you have mixed martial arts, mm-hmm. um, and all kinds of, like, full contact sports. Yeah, so you've got tennis, you've got baseball. Tennis, cheerleading, and, and Yeah, no matter soccer. what you're doing, you're still, you're still thrusting your body. Yeah. You're still using your force, and yes. all you need is one wrong swing, mm-hmm. and you dislocate something or you mm-hmm. pull something, mm-hmm. and oh. And there you go. So some five common hazards to consider and steps to take to prevent them to help keep your child injury-free. So the first, dehydration. And you wouldn't think, oh, we drink water, but, mm-hmm. you know, when you have a child who's uh, participating in a sport, they are very, it could be very, very intense. Very intense. And, and it could be very, very hot. Even with the gear they're probably wearing, mm-hmm. even if it's just a, just a uniform for a team, mm-hmm. I mean, those things don't breathe very well. It, right. It, they, the heat builds up. And mm-hmm. believe it or not, you know, yeah, it's, it's common sense, drink mm-hmm. water when you're thirsty. But, when, you know, when, you're, when your kid is really into it, they mm-hmm. don't think about that until they no. stop for a moment and they get dizzy and they're like, oh, mm-hmm. my son, absolutely. Yes. absolutely. I made sure I brought a big bottle because I, because I, did you drink? Well, yeah, I had a little bit of it, but, you know, now you're thirsty, aren't you? Yes. So, yeah. so it's so important to drink water frequently actually throughout the day, mm-hmm. not just right before or during practice, but drinking water frequently throughout the day. Also, 15 minutes before a game or practice, you should be drinking 12 to 16 ounces of water. I did not know that. And then six to eight ounces every 15 minutes of, for every 15 minutes of intense play. So it's throughout the day as well as um, before practice and during practice. I was going to say that make you go to the bathroom for all, but now that I'm reading it, yeah, you, you know, you probably you're sweat it, you sweat it out. You're and sweating. That's, so you know that you're, you know, you're, you're putting your, your hydration to work mm-hmm. if you're drinking a lot of water mm-hmm. and you're not going to the bathroom. Exactly. Yep. Sunburn, like you just said, mm-hmm. Ameri- according to the American Academy of Dermatology, uh, they recommend SPF 30 plus broad spectrum water and sweat resistant sunscreen on all exposed skin. That is a tongue twister. I know, right? Wow. <laughs> uh, and this is regardless of the season, even mm-hmm. in the winter, even in the fall, when there's overcast. Yes, and when there's, there's no overcast. Sun, get that sunscreen on and, and put it on your face. Exactly. And really every exposed, including mm-hmm. your ears, yes. your neck arms hands any any part of the body that's exposed to the sun and you also want to reapply that after two hours of sweating excessively oh okay <clears throat> concussions so obviously um i don't i I don't know if we talked about this in any of our podcasts, but you've heard about the CTE. Mm. Um, so concussion. So in football, mm-hmm. uh, NFL, there was a physician who discovered um, it's called CTE. I'm not going to say the, the the full word. Right. But unfortunately, a lot of football players um, have been mm, have 
have been diagnosed with a condition called CTE, and mm -hmm. it's a undiagnosed when you have a concussion it damages your brain. right? And so that's led to um, lots of policy changes. Unfortunately, um, some they players made a, have they made, taken they their lives. They made a movie about this. Yes, they did. Oh, Will Smith started yes, it. Yeah, yes, yeah, and, they, yeah. and, they were, and they were trying to silence him because it looked, it looked bad for the, for the uh, institution. Correct. Right. So there's a lot of reports, a lot of research, a lot of news has um, uh, been around this. But coaches ultimately are responsible for teaching proper rules and techniques mm -hmm. and ensuring that the use of safety equipment in, in regards in terms of um, football, of course, having a fitted helmet. Mm -hmm. um, when you're wrestling um, or when you're boxing, making sure you have protective headgear mm -hmm. because these are these, this is what could potentially cause no, of course. a concussion. Um, I'm a huge MMA fan. When I see the the kicks, I mean, it's like, it's exciting, but when you see these kicks and punches and knees to the mm -hmm. head, that is serious. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't have that protective gear, and we're talking about children, not adults, but children, um, it's so important. So really it's up to the coaches, you know, to really ensure that those kids have proper safety mm -hmm. Ensure equipment. and educate and, and, you know, parents too, you know, reinforce yes. that, you yes. know, you know, get, get yourself educated as well. Right. So, you know, just, just in case the, you know, the, the coach drops the ball or mm -hmm. or you can reinforce it at home. Mm -hmm. uh, because I, I'll tell you that, um, I did look up some stuff about football mm. uh, to make sure I was putting his gear on right and that, yeah. and that he was he had what he needed in the proper mouth guard yes. and, and yes. stuff because you know the coaches they have a lot to deal with sure. and they're, and it's really intense for them so mm -hmm. things can slip under so uh, absolutely educate yourself as well you know put them in sports or, or anything like that make sure you know what you should know mm -hmm. that the coaches know you know mm -hmm. you don't have to be an expert but some knowledge is better than no knowledge that's good good excellent advice lastly overuse and overtraining and Dr. Fazik is well speaks a little bit about this, um, we'll speak a little bit about this, but 50% of sports medicine injuries in children and teens are from overuse, according to the American Academy of Pediatrics. So this is like when you have long hours of practice and you have lots of repetitive movements, This these types of um, movements can lead to overuse injuries, such as shin splints oh. or shoulder pain, mm -hmm. you have knee injuries. So again, coaches should help their athletes ease into training mm -hmm. and mix up the workouts to avoid the, these types of repetitive Repetitive motions. Yeah. It's really fascinating. No, yeah. Uh, the the at one point after about a couple of months of mm -hmm. watching their their practice sessions, mm -hmm. I knew what the what the what the training sessions were. I was I could okay. even do it myself. <laughs> so it is very repetitive. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's, it's it's true. It's funny you say oh you know overuse because uh -huh. yeah it's about. Um, repetition but at the same time some kids really get into it you mm -hmm. know and they, they mm -hmm. really get into mm -hmm. it so you know back it down a little bit you know it's training it's i know you want to impress but sure. but you know you want to play but if you hurt yourself you can't play you can't at all play. and exactly. it's funny that's what i used to say to uh, my my youngest mm -hmm. listen i know you want to play and you're good at what you do mm -hmm. but if you hurt yourself then you can't play at all mm -hmm. so you'll you'll be you'll be sitting on the bench because you have to not because in with no opportunity to go out there mm -hmm. so i think you know encouraging your your child is great but also you know saying moderation you yeah. know Mix it up. Mix it up. Mix Lastly, it up. Uh, there's this one resource. It's called Active and Safe Central, activesafe.ca. It's a website that's really cool. It actually gives parents, kids, and coaches and teachers access to injury prevention information for oh. more than 50 sports and recreational activities. ActiveSafe.ca. So yeah, right. so you basically go to the website and you type in any sport that you can think of, and it 
provides a very thorough um, kind of list of the common injuries that you can get playing these types of sports, as well as prevention tips. Um, that you should consider. That is an amazing resource. Yeah, I used uh, Google and YouTube. <laughs> I, I mean, I'll be backup. honest. That's that's, that's what I had. Backup, I had Google and YouTube. Pediatric <laughs> football. Uh, what does it say? No, teens football or young uh, preteen football. Right, right, CC right. tips. Google I, is the star. And I watched the, some stuff, but but that's actually uh, a it's great a really resource. Cool uh, uh, we absolutely uh, recommend that. Yeah. So anyway, that's yeah, all I have fantastic. for today. Well, before we get to today's guest, here's a word from our sponsor. The Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital team has every medical specialty a parent could want and the expertise every child needs. So when it matters most, trust the experts in pediatrics at Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. Welcome back, and thank you once again for joining us on the Healthy Parenting Podcast. So uh, we're going to listen to a pre-recorded interview with Dr. Matthew Fazekas talking about cheerleader safety prevention tips. Gasp, Bahati. I know. You I did it without you. me. I know. I'm okay, so sorry. Well, you guys enjoy. <laughs> so uh, I'm one of the physicians in the Department of Pediatric Orthopedics. Uh, I was trained uh, as a, a pediatrician, so I did a residency at Vanderbilt in pediatrics, um, and I did a fellowship in sports medicine and orthopedics at Boston Children's. So I see non-operative orthopedic cases, uh, concussion management, dance medicine, performing athlete medicine. Uh, I do work with ultrasound uh, for both diagnostic and therapeutic purposes. Um, and I do outreach work with the community uh, at the high school level, uh, coordinating the uh, sports program with the athletic trainers and pediatric residents on the sidelines for football games uh, with the public schools here in Broward County. Today's show will focus on tips on how to stay safe as a cheerleader. So Dr. Fazekas, my first question, and through the years I've heard this, that um, and specifically competitive cheerleading competitive cheerleading. It's been called one of the world's most dangerous sports. Is that true? So I've heard that too. Um, it is true in terms of what you're looking for as an answer between injury patterns. Okay. So for catastrophic injuries, mm -hmm. cervical spine injuries, uh, traumatic brain injury, it does have some of the highest rates of injury mm -hmm. um, amongst uh, the adolescent pediatric populations. And that's specifically because like when you watch the competitive cheerleading, and that's what we're talking about, not the sideline, mm -hmm. but specifically competitive cheerleading. I mean, you, <laughs> it's amazing what they can do and just, but it's very risky. Like yes. 30 feet in the air, you're falling. Gravity is right? not your friend. No, it's not. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, these young athletes are basically at risk of injury from heights. Mm -hmm. um, so it has a high rate of catastrophic injuries. It does have a relatively lower rate of simple overuse injuries, sprains, strains, uh, lower extremity injuries that we see amongst other sports. Mm -hmm. um, but absolutely from a... a, a if you define dangerous as catastrophic, mm -hmm. it is the top. That's incredible. Um, so research studies have shown that competitive cheerleading is a leading cause of sports injuries, and obviously we just talked about, and it really is due to the extremity of the sport. And obviously cheerleading is, tr competitive cheerleading is a sport. That's the first thing we Correct. Want to clarify. Correct. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, 
we group competitive cheerleading with performing arts and dance medicine. So this is female athlete sports, typically includes figure skating, gymnastics, dance, cheer, um, and there are different physiological processes that happen at different ages that lend to different both acute overuse chronic injuries. Mm -hmm. So uh, cheer is right in there uh, with what it can both do acutely and from the chronic overuse standpoint um, for these young athletes. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes the age range in terms of when you enter competitive cheerleading, you're pretty young. Correct. Like well, tween. Correct, even. exactly. Um, and that can lend to different injury patterns that you don't typically see as a older teenager mm -hmm. or young adult, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, which is basically lends the importance of having good understanding of that pediatric mm -hmm. physiology yes. in order to diagnose, manage, and treat these, these events and illnesses. Mm -hmm. Because as a young girl, I, I was a dancer for about 14 years, but it was not cheerleading, it was ballet. and but you know, your muscles are developing, your bones are developing, Correct. and so I can see if you, it's, it's there's a lot to consider. Yeah, there are different demands on the skeleton, on the musculature mm -hmm. for these athletes compared to the tight teenage boy mm -hmm. who has potential for different injury patterns. Mm -hmm. So how important well, for other next question, what's the most commonly diagnosed sports injury related to competitive cheerleading? So for competitive cheer, we typically see simple sprains and strains, mm -hmm. right? Commonly of the lower extremity. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and this is what you're going to see on a regular acute basis. Mm -hmm. um, you have to also think about overuse injuries that can develop based on the demands of what's needed to perform in that sport. Mm -hmm. So we can see some overuse injury patterns such as having low back pain mm -hmm. that can lend towards stress fractures in the low back from mm -hmm. repetitive extension. Mm -hmm. um, you're also at risk acutely for concussion, right? So whether that's being dropped from a height yes. uh, as a flyer or being a base and having someone fall on your head or mm -hmm. kick you with a foot or a hand, mm -hmm. um, you're at a higher risk for some mild traumatic brain injury mm -hmm. uh, that needs to be taken seriously and treated mm -hmm. because it can cause problems in an academic setting and can cause potential problems if you continue to participate without mm -hmm. it going diagnosed. Mm -hmm. So my next question has to do with that in terms of the space and the environment in which a cheerleader practices it. How important is the practice location? For example, a hard surface court, which is where you typically kind of imagine a, cheer, a competitive cheerleader performing and practicing versus a padded floor. Yeah, so there's no doubt that that makes a difference. Uh, when you're having a flyer, you know, 10, 15 feet in the air coming down onto a more padded surface mm -hmm. lends to have a little bit more safety behind it yeah. than a hard concrete floor. Yes. Um, but it's not only those catastrophic injuries that you have to think about, it's the simple overuse, right? Uh, you can develop anterior knee pain, patellofemoral syndrome, drumper's knee mm. that we see amongst these athletes, mm -hmm. uh, and that's from repetitive impact. Mm -hmm. So if you dampen the impact by having a well-padded floor, you can adjust kind of the forces that go through the front of the knee that mm -hmm. can cause that problem. Mm. Um, so it does make a difference. Okay. Um, 
again, from a catastrophic standpoint, if you're coming down from 15 it feet, really it's probably not going to make a difference. Yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. But something to consider um, when you're looking at programs. Absolutely. Regarding coaches, what are some things parents and or aspiring competitive cheerleaders should consider before enrolling in a cheerleading program? So I think it's important for the coach to have a basic understanding of the physiology of their athletes and uh, how that can lend towards injury patterns. So, mm -hmm. you know, sports medicine classically has been really good at making a diagnosis. We've got great technology, we have good exam skills, we can diagnose things. Mm -hmm. Um, we also have done really well in terms of our ability to treat, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we have good resources, we have good therapies, we have good surgeries, uh, we have evidence to back those procedures up. Mm -hmm. um, but we're somewhat lacking in terms of prevention, right? Injury prevention and how does that play a role in the whole continuum of care for mm -hmm. an athlete? Um, and that starts at the coaching level, mm, right? If mm. the coach has a basic understanding of uh, what the body is experiencing in terms of forces on certain muscle groups, on bony skeletal structure, mm -hmm. if they have a basic understanding of, you know, uh, how much is too much, mm -hmm. that can really play a role in what's going to happen to one team's athletes versus another's. Right. Now, in addition to that, uh, uh, some of the things that the American Academy of Pediatrics, in terms of their uh, you know, clinical practice guidelines, recommend is that these facilities, that these coaches, they need to have emergency action plans. Mm -hmm. They need to know, well, if somebody falls right. on their head, right. what do we do? Right. Who do we call? Mm -hmm. What happens? Mm -hmm. Should we move the, the athlete? Should we mm -hmm. keep them still? Mm -hmm. They need to discuss, you know, doing practice drills for these situations mm -hmm. so they know what the next steps are. So these are some good questions to ask, like when you're Absolutely. looking at different competitive cheer um, programs to join. These are some of the tough questions you should be asking, yeah. clearly. Yeah, I mean, an emergency action plan for, you know, uh, other sports is hanging in the locker room, hanging in the trainer's uh, uh, workout space. Mm -hmm. um, where is it in the cheer gym, mm -hmm. right? Uh, who has access to it? Mm -hmm. Who knows about it? Mm -hmm. um, if this is a part of a school sport, uh, does the administration know the action plan and uh, the r roles and routes of people who are involved? Where's the AED? Mm. Um, you know, these young athletes who are aerobically active right. are at risk for uh, cardiac issues mm -hmm. that the basketball players are at mm -hmm. risk for. So mm -hmm. where is that device and who knows how to use it? Okay. Um, and these are simple things that any coach or uh, club should be able to answer for you. Okay, all right. So, given the amount of given the amount of strength and conditioning required to perform competitive cheerleading techniques, what advice do you have for uh, cheerleaders regarding staying healthy? So that's kind of a great question, mm -hmm. right? Um, I think for one, you have to start with nutrition, mm -hmm. right? Uh, think of the body as an engine, and if you don't have any fuel, you're not going to be able to run. You're um, so nutrition, I think, is the basis for fitness, right? Uh, 
you need to you know think about what does the body require not just for activity but for growth mm -hmm. right so uh, majority of competitive cheerleaders are uh, still skeletally immature. Mm -hmm. They're still going through physiological changes mm -hmm. due to puberty that are having different demands on their body. Right. Um, and they need that selective and good fuel to perform, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. that's not even at a at a competitive level. That's mm. just for... Just general. Exactly, yeah. for growth. Yeah, yeah. So then if you add in an activity on top of that, mm -hmm. you need to think about, well, what changes need to be made to my nutrition to allow this additional activity to happen. Mm -hmm. um, so whether that's meeting with a nutritionist or talking with your sports medicine doctor mm -hmm. or your pediatrician, I think that's a good place to start. Okay. Um, then, you know, you have to consider some of the basic things that are needed to perform as a competitive cheerleader. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have the simple skills as a good platform, mm -hmm no one's going to be able to you know perform at that high level right. without their foundation so having good aerobic capacity having relative good resistance strength these are all important mm -hmm. right and again this is something that your coaches as you kind of develop year over year mm -hmm. uh, should be appropriately guiding you with but uh, if there's concerns or if there's patterns of injuries that keep occurring, mm -hmm. that's where you need to start looking for a sports physical therapist, mm -hmm. a sports medicine doctor, mm -hmm. talking with your healthcare provider to, to kind of uncover mm -hmm. what's going on or where there may be deficiencies. Because mm -hmm. there could be an underlying issue, like if you keep having the same, like you said, a, a knee injury or a sprain, it could it could be an underlying issue. Of Absolutely. Like, uh, low bone density or something like that. It could example. be, or it could just be there's a muscular imbalance that mm. needs to be addressed. Mm. Um, so that's where getting an evaluation can be really helpful. Okay. Would you recommend enrolling in a gymnastics program to prepare for competitive cheerleading? Obviously, it's extremely... Um, I was just watching some videos just over the years, though. I, it's it, it, it's really gymnastics. When it I is, look at yeah. it, it's like, that's, that's gymnastics. It's all about stunting, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Competitive cheer is about the stunts. Um, and so some of those basic twists, turns, mm -hmm. flips mm -hmm. are easily taught through a gymnastics program. So that's a good uh, beginning level place mm -hmm. to learn some of those skills mm -hmm. to then transition into that realm. When you think about uh, between the skills that are performed on ice with mm -hmm. figure skating, yes. on floor routine with gymnastics, mm -hmm. on the floor for competitive cheer, mm -hmm. and on stage for a dancer, a lot of that's the same. Yes, right? it's very similar. Um, and also leads to similar injury patterns. Yes. Yep. Indeed, indeed. So oftentimes, dancers might be injured, but decide to work through the pain <laughs> if it doesn't feel too serious. What are your thoughts on this behavior? It's hard to tell what is pain and what is soreness, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you can go to the gym and work out and feel and uncomfortable. Yes, a days even. exactly. Yeah, sure. I yeah. have lots of experience <laughs> yes. with that myself. Um, uh, but distinguishing between just normal muscle soreness mm -hmm. and pain is difficult. Mm. So what we get concerned about is having uh, a feeling of discomfort that changes your 
your movement, right? That mm -hmm. changes your biomechanics. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you're experiencing pain or soreness or whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. but it's affecting your gait, like how you walk, you're now walking with a limp right. or it's changing how you land from a jump, mm -hmm. right? That's noticeable, visible to you, to mm -hmm. family, to coaches. Uh, that's when you should really be evaluated, right? Now there's no harm in coming before that right? Uh, nobody's going to give you funny looks and right. say why you're here, right? right? right, right. Um, uh, but, you know, it's difficult to tell those subset of patients who this is just because you're working out mm -hmm, and your mm -hmm. body is changing and yeah, adapting yeah, to sure. those changes in your physiology. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so, again, having uh, the access, mm. whether that's a certified athletic trainer, mm -hmm. um, a sports therapist, mm -hmm. a sports medicine doctor, even just the pediatrician. Mm. Um, it's important, right, to ask these questions yes. um, and not just let it go and right. potentially let something fester for a while. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Indeed, indeed. So given the fitness as well as beauty aspects of cheerleading, um, Oftentimes when, we, when I see the, the competitions, it's a lot of makeup and the hair, and um, they're usually very, very fit. Some students may experience body image issues. Of course, these are young, these are tweens and teens and young women, so they're ranging in age from like 11 to 20 or so in their early 20s. Um, oftentimes some students may you know they want to stay thin because they're trying they're they're being lifted and you know it's just it's an image thing when you're kind of a part of this this group um, these kinds of thoughts or behaviors could lead to eating disorders um, based just in general so what advice do you have for parents and cheerleaders um, who are dealing with these kinds of issues so uh, it can be a challenge right uh because you know there are some genetic components that may make somebody more prone to being a base rather than a flyer right. and if you're trying to be a flyer and you want to be a flyer mm -hmm. um, it can be challenging mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but you have to be somewhat sensitive to those issues mm -hmm. and you have to be able to recognize those issues mm -hmm. which i think is most important um uh, you know uh, you won't be able to effectively intervene unless there's recognition. Mm -hmm. And like we were talking about earlier, a good coach yes. should be able to recognize that. Yes. Right. Um, it can be hard for the athlete mm -hmm. to recognize that in themselves. Sure. It can be hard for the family to recognize that. Mm -hmm. um, the issues once identified need adequate management and treatment mm -hmm. and so finding the right resources to be able to intervene mm -hmm. uh, on those issues are important um, there are some screening tools mm -hmm. uh, in terms of eating disorders mm -hmm. with uh, female athlete triad and with relative energy deficiency in sports mm -hmm. uh, that are out there and being implemented at competitive levels mm -hmm. um, but again if you're screening for it you've got to be able to once identified fix it right, um, right, right. and so 
one of the great things about having a multidisciplinary program mm -hmm. is having access to those resources. Yes. So having nutritionists, adolescent medicine physicians, mm -hmm. uh, and having the people with the knowledge and the skill to help those problems mm -hmm. uh, is key. Definitely. And Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital, obviously, you have access to Correct. Correct. And it's that. not just access, it's the expedited access. Mm. Because uh, once identified, that's not something that you want to make a phone call and talk about in four to six months. Right, right, right. You need to get in now. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. And that's one of the things that we kind of pride ourselves on mm -hmm. is, is getting... Being responsive. Exactly. Just getting people the access to the right care that they need. Mm -hmm. Any takeaway advice for parents and or aspiring cheer leaders? So I think it's just important to, you know, one, have good foundation right from a fitness standpoint from a nutritional standpoint mm -hmm. from a coaching standpoint mm. right uh two it's about early recognition of potential problems mm -hmm. and problem problems right so uh, a potential problem in my eyes is just as significant for an athlete as a problem problem mm -hmm. right um, and if there's something you can do to intervene for injury prevention, mm -hmm. you need to be taking those measures um, uh, to hopefully keep you away and keep you out of the office yes. and keep yes. you healthy right. and being able to perform and active. Right. Um, I think once a concern is identified, mm -hmm. it shouldn't be thrown under the rug, right? There is no silly question Nobody's gonna say, why are you here? Mm -hmm. uh, we do not want to keep our athletes out of sports, mm -hmm. right? right? We didn't go into sports medicine because we wanted to keep people away sure. from the gym. Right. No, um, sure. So uh, don't think that there's a misconception that, well, if I go see the doctor, they're just gonna mm -hmm. tell me I can't, can't play. Can't play. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, that is, you know, sometimes a necessity, but that is not typically the answer mm -hmm. for most uh, most individuals who come to the clinic. Mm -hmm. So um, once that concern is recognized, mm -hmm. it's about getting in uh, and taking care of the either potential problem or problem problem and getting it adequately treated. Awesome. So uh, I think just for parents, for athletes, mm -hmm. Um, just have an open line of conversation between the two. Ask your sons and daughters, you know, what's going on with your coach? What are you doing? It's similar to what you do when they come home from school. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the answer is going to be nothing. I'm fine. Yeah. Probe. Exactly. <laughs> Sometimes uh, it's important to probe. <laughs> but asking some of those hard questions yeah. about, you know, what are you eating before you go to cheer practice? Mm -hmm. What do you want for dinner after cheer mm -hmm. practice? Um, asking some questions about, you know, are friends having any kind of medical issues? Are friends having any uh, psychological issues mm -hmm. potentially? And just kind of using that as the easy, easy step off point to start right. a conversation, I think is important. Okay. So. Thank you so much. Absolutely. It's been very enlightening. Um, and uh, we will definitely have you back to talk about some other topics. Great. Thank Thanks you for so having much. me. Great, great interview, Bahada. You did really, really well Thank without you. me. <laughs> it won't happen again. Thank you for joining us on Healthy Parenting. Please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. 
share with others, and like the Joan DiMaggio Children's Hospital Facebook page.